Welcome into 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Drew Creaseman, and as always, I'm excited to be talking Colorado Rockies baseball with you here on the show. Mild technical glitches and just a short programming note here at the beginning, but you can expect these earlier in the morning. This is probably going to go out right around noon because I, I had some issues, like I said, technically. Uh, but for the rest of the season, know that whenever a series ends the next morning, hopefully first thing in the morning, you can expect your Ups and Downs podcast. I'll also be doing plenty of other stuff throughout the season, but that's when you'll get your Ups and Downs for the series. So here we go. Colorado Rockies go 2-2 two and two in San Diego. We've got your three big ups and your three big downs. Starting with, of course, the biggest up of the series, C.J. Crone. Had been a little bit of concern about Crone after the way he finished last season and didn't have much of a spring training to speak of, was a little bit dinged up, was not playing a lot, and then didn't really do much when he was out there. But as I've often said, you've got to treat that entirely differently when the guy's got a resume the the type that Crone does. It was just a little bit... You know, I don't know because of the way he ended last year. So he comes out about as hot as you could possibly come out. What's wild to me about the statistics I'm about to read to you is that they could very easily be even better than this, which is ridiculous. Now, of course, small sample size, whatever. We're doing a series recap. That's always going to be the way it is. But he's hitting 467 on basing 529 and slugging 1,200, which is not a real number, uh, with a 382 OPS+. plus. His actual OPS is 1,729, which leads the league. This is another reminder, by the way, as much as I love stats like OPS+, plus and ERA+, plus, that they do count against the Rockies even when they're on the road. So the fact that he has the best OPS, but not the best OPS+, plus, and they've only played in San Diego is... It won't matter in the long term. Well, in some ways it does, but we'll come back to that conversation. But that that can be very frustrating. Anyway, 18 total bases already on the season, which leads the league for C.J. Crone. He's hit three round trippers, driven in seven, walked twice, and struck out twice. And like I said, in the final game of the set, he very easily could have hit two more home runs. Uh, he hit the ball hard in every at-bat, in that game, uh, didn't end up with much to show for it, but had two warning track outs. So, I mean, we were were about three combined feet on two different hits away from C.J. Crone having five home runs on the first four games of the season. But for what he's done, I mean, there, there was just no other place to start as early as it gets for those types of conversations, but you hope he can return to his all-star form and that this lineup around him being a bit more stable, a bit more obviously with Chris Bryant in there, with some other guys who've got some thump, Crone not having to carry the entire load on his own, and you can see just how locked in and relaxed he is at the plate right now. And yeah, really incredible stuff so far out of C.J. Crone. It's 17 plate appearances. He's driven in seven runs. <laughs> and like I said, it's it was very close to being even better than that. Of course, in the first one going both oppo and pull side was pretty great to see. That's one way when you know a guy is locked in is when he's pulling home runs. And then in the next at bat, he pushes one out the other way. Those were both, now he hit those balls very, very hard, but they were like quite technically wall scrapers. Both of them hit off the top of the wall and ended up going over, but they were also misaligned drives. So 
worst case scenario, you're getting doubles there. They're, they're not like high fly balls that if they'd been a little shorter would have been caught, something like that. And then, of course, the third one was an absolute no-doubter that they've got kind of a weird, uh, non-traditional left field space out there in San Diego. So there there's no like concourse or whatever, but I think it would have been close to getting up to uh, the concourse in Coors Field. So just an absolute monster opening for CJ Crone. He, of course, is the big up. What is the big down? Well, it is what we thought it would be, right? Certainly anyone who's listened to this show, and I would imagine most folks out there uh, have been under the the recognition that the bottom of the rotation is going to be a problem for the Rockies all year. It's going to be an issue. Uh, This is the thing that's holding them back. It's the thing that's going to hold them back unless something pretty remarkable happens. Now, why don't I start with the good news and the down, which is that Austin Gomber wasn't terrible, right? He he really wasn't. And he, he had a rough spring, uh, but then kind of turned it around. It finished better. And at the end of the game, you look down and you see six innings pitched, three earned runs against the San Diego Padres. He gave you a six. You'll, you will take that out of Austin Gomber every time against that team, especially. But... Against anybody, you will take a quality start out of Austin Gomber. If he can do that more often than not, the Rockies could find their way into being a 500 team if that's a a goal you want to reach for, right? The question is, will he be able to do that often enough? And the other question is just how bad are the other guys going to be? And I fear the answer to that question is going to be very very bad, right? So Jose Urania. This was this was rough to watch, right? 2.1 innings pitched, four earned runs, four walks. The walks were really, really brutal. And you just can't have that, especially when you're a guy who's basically signed on a veteran deal to be a veterany veteran. Right, you're just here to not screw up, kind of. And I get that. Look, that's not how they would put it. That's not how he thinks about it. He's out there thinking he's going to try to be the best baseball player he can be. He wants to compete. I, I get it. Is what it is. Everyone thinks that they're great, but you you got to throw strikes when you're Jose Urania. You have got to throw strikes, and that was some days. You know, it sucks when it's the first game of the year. Some days you go out and you just don't have it, right? But again, there's, there hasn't really been a moment in his career where Jose Urania, he's got a career 85 ERA plus, well below the league average, right? He's got a career winning percentage of 382, if that's what you're into, a career ERA of 483, right? That He's never been the guy. He's never been a well above average or even really an average major league pitcher. He's here to pick up innings. And give some time to figure out who amongst the group of Peter Lambert, Carl Kaufman, Ryan Rollison, uh, and maybe a few other guys can figure some things out and get themselves ready. Now, I think him being in there for Game 3, this is another one of those things that I think there's a lot more conversation about. It's not really how teams think of it anymore. You're not really ranking your top three pitcher or your top five pitchers in exact order a lot of times it has to do with where their arm is coming into the season, who in spring. Now, you'll set it up for certain guys to make sure that they can start opening day. 
You know, you want Marquez. Obviously, you want your best guys going as often as possible. But after that, when you really do just have a jumble of dudes, you know, I think in a perfect world, they probably would have had Austin Gomber go third. And I think they do see him as their third guy. I just think the scheduling and spring training and how it worked out at, you know, five days rest, it, it was, it just made more sense to flip him. It, it didn't make any significant difference there, right? Because the bottom line is, these guys now you got, you know, Feltner going today, as I'm speaking, and I, again, I, I fear that it's, I don't think he's going to walk as many people, but there just isn't that belief there that Urania or, or Feltner, and to some degree Gomber, are, are going to be able to keep these games competitive. And you saw the stark contrast, even with, and, and the one thing that is frustrating about the Gomber profile, even when he's good, even when he was good two years ago, he gives up the home run ball. And two more, and that's what got him in this one. Two home runs, one where there was a guy on base, there's your three runs, right? He is prone to that mistake pitch. And when he makes that mistake, really good hitters tend not to miss it and hit it really hard. And because of that, and then this gigantic question mark after him. Now, if Ryan Feltner comes out and has an amazing performance, and then maybe you can start selling yourselves on some hope. It's, it's Again, it's early in the season, but go for it, right? But so far, it's looked exactly how I thought, and a lot of you feared it was going to look, which is that they'll be competitive when Marquez and Freeland are on the hill, and mostly not when they're not. And I think that's going to be how the season primarily goes. I think they're going to win two, lose three, more often than not, right? When Marquez and Freeland are on the bump, they can beat almost anybody. Honestly, when those guys are, and, and they're going well, obviously they're going to have their off nights. But when those guys are on and going good, I think this position player group and this bullpen is good enough to hang in there with just about anybody out there. But then that drop-off after the first two starting pitchers is just extreme. And it's going to be a year-long problem. All right, so let's go back and talk about then your second up for the game, which is the flip side of that, which is that Armand Marquez and Kyle Freeland were very good, right? At the very least, you got that out of your guys. Marquez, with the opening day start, does give up a couple of earned runs, but goes six, strikes out five, does not issue a walk. Excellent stuff. Love seeing the zero in the walk column uh, almost as much as Bud Black does. And they walked seven in that that game that Urania started as a group. I'll, I'll talk about the bullpen in a minute. But yeah, Marquez. And, and honestly, I almost prefer this very steady outing to him coming out and going eight innings, 10 strikeouts. You know, I'm not saying that, that, that's, all, that's not awesome to watch. That's always awesome to watch. And I'm not saying that this is a, a better game in any way. But you just need some steadiness and consistency out of Marquez this year and for the blips to be the great games, right? But if, again, a steady quality start, six innings, two earned runs, you you want more of that. It's, it's not the same as, like I was saying with Gomber, where you take that every time. Like, you do want times where Marquez is giving you more than that, but you want that to be his middle. You want right there for that to be his average ball game. He's very capable of doing that. In fact, if, it's kind of silly to do ERA plus after one game, but it, it, that comes out to a 142 which would be his career high, but not by a ton, right? He put up a 138 in the pandemic-shortened 2020 season, a 125 back in 2018. So that that's kind of like 
what I've been talking about, it seems like forever, about Marquez taking that next step to become a 140 type of ERA plus guy. And what that means is more often than not going out there and giving your team a quality plus start. And so really good to see. And as I said before, especially against this team, Kyle Freeland locked in, baby. I told you, don't worry about some of the spring training numbers. So some people go, well, he gave up a home run to the one. He pitched three innings, gave up one run. It wasn't a terrible pitch. And Japan was on fire. Kyle was putting the baseball where he wanted to process, 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 especially this time of year. You got to watch how many of these pitches are hitting their spot right, where the catcher sets up, you see where the catcher is, where the catcher puts the glove. If he doesn't have to move his glove, Freeland has hit his spot, or whoever's pitching, right? Uh, ugly swings out of hitters, uh, guys looking at pitches that they think are balls that end up strikes, or swinging at pitches that look like strikes and end up balls, and Freeland's just get, getting all of that right now. Three hits in six innings, zero earned runs to that team, just the one strikeout. We know Kyle doesn't always exist on getting a ton of swings and misses. He's, uh, you know, very pitch efficient. Uh, he didn't throw, uh, I don't have his pitch count right in front of me here. I've got the wrong statistics set up for it. It was like 74, I think, um, you know, early in the season. To, so that, just incredibly efficient. Pounds the strike zone, gets weak contact. Some of those are going to get through for hits, though this time only three of them. And, you know, only walked one guy. Fantastic. Excellent stuff out of Kyle Freeland sitting there with the 0 ERA on the season. That's that's always nice to have while while it lasts, right? But yeah, that I mean, really fun to watch. And there was some concern there for me. I will say there was the possibility, I, and I was watching for it all spring training, and I'll keep my eye on it throughout this entire first month, of if these guys continue to struggle the way Marquez did for basically all of last year, for Kyle did for most of the first half, that it's going to be, one, a really ugly year, and also then a very difficult conversation about the future of the team, right? Because so much is dependent upon these two. You can figure out the rest of it. If Gomber emerges, great. Now you've got two spots to fill. Two spots to fill. If he doesn't emerge you've got three spots to fill and are you filling them from outside the organization or inside or what they'll have money to spend after the year those are the things you're having but if you don't have any starting pitching that you know that's a tough place to to be so yeah especially with freeland having the contract marquez having the club option and hopefully the possibility of an extension and i'm not sure i've ever fully made and this might not be the best time maybe this is another podcast sometime but the argument that you know, Marquez really has a chance to be the greatest starting pitcher in Colorado Rockies history. And if he gets back on track, he really can and not only can, but he should be the guy the Rockies build around. Again, because he's he exists, if you'll forgive the pun, in very thin air with the amount of pitchers who have both dominance in a Colorado Rockies uniform and longevity in a Colorado Rockies uniform. In fact, he has the chance to be the only guy who's done that. Dominance, Ubaldo Jimenez, Jorge De La Rosa for a little while in there. De La Rosa is the closest you've got because he was dominant for a little while, and then he also had some longevity. Unfortunately, a lot of that was cut short by injuries and the fact that he didn't really get here till he was 27, 28. So all of that, right? Aaron Cook, longevity, never really dominance, right? 
So Marquez has the chance to be the one guy who's done that. And the Rockies have to invest in the handful of pitchers they know can succeed in a Colorado Rockies uniform. So really just the biggest thing that could go right for the future of this team this year is Herman Marquez being phenomenal and Kyle Freeland being very good. And so far, it was actually flipped. Kyle Freeland was phenomenal, and Armand Marquez was very good. But for the rest of the season, that's how you need that dynamic to play out. Back over to the minus side on the downs, we've got the minus bullpen guys. So, again, I'm being a little harsh here. Uh, you know, Ty Block wasn't awful. Uh, Denelson Lament, I'm not sure, will be a minus side guy, but that's how he was employed in game three. And bleh. I mentioned the seven walks. That was really the biggest issue. Again, neither guy had their command. And that can happen. It's brutal when you're a reliever because you've only got your inning if you're Lamette or a couple of innings if you're blocked to work on it. Um, you, you know, again, it's, it's difficult to be especially harsh on these guys because it, it's a rough job uh, to come in when you only pitch when your team is down, essentially. But early enough in the season, I would have hoped they would have been slightly more locked in. And I really didn't like the walks from Lamette. Plenty of time for him to iron that out, obviously. But definitely, you know, in a, in a game where they did decide to go ahead and pull Urania early, uh, there was maybe a chance for the Rockies to get back in it. But the, the minus guys kind of came in and they didn't exactly throw gas on the fire, but they, they certainly didn't hold serve and, and give their offense much of a fighting chance in that one. So negative from those guys. Let's do another negative and end on a positive because it's early in the season. And also because this negative isn't really that bad. I wrote down here, slow start for the young guys. Uh, really more for Tovar. Uh, Lauris Montero already hit a home run and has driven in a couple. So he looks he looks pretty good, but he obviously didn't have a big year. You're not going, oh, wow, did you see Montero? Did you see Tovar? They're not they're not the talk of the town right now. That That's all I've really got as, as a negative on then. The other flip side of that, and I wanted to comment on this very briefly, is seeing people, uh, you know, talking about Nolan Jones and Michael Tolia down in AAA. Both have hit some home runs. Jones has hit several at this point. Hopefully off to a very good start for the Albuquerque Isotopes. And I just want to remind everyone that that is a good thing. That's an indication that the Rockies made the right decision, not the wrong decision. It is faulty to believe that because they are hitting home runs in AAA against AAA pitching, if they were in Major League Baseball and, you know, remember sitting on the bench, even if they, you say, okay, clear all those guys out and get rid of whoever you want and put Jones and Tolia immediately into this opening day lineup in favor of whoever you want, that doesn't mean that they would be hitting those same home runs off of Major League pitching, right? This is a good thing. You want those guys to succeed. You also want them to do it, not just in the opening series, but for a week or two. Again, all of these caveats apply this time of year. You've got to be really careful with that stuff. Consistency is the most valuable tool and commodity in baseball is finding those guys who can't just hit a couple of home runs in a weekend against some bad pitching potentially, but guys who can compete even when the other team is at their best. 
right? That's one of the reasons why there are so many spring training caveats. You'd be like, oh, so-and-so hit a bunch of home runs. Like, was he hitting them all off of double-A pitchers who were in their first ever spring training? Or was he hitting them off of Clayton Kershaw? Because there is a difference. There's a, a massive difference. And so big ups, big excited for both Jones and Tolia. You got to hope they keep doing it. And I promise you, if they do keep doing it, the Rockies will call them up. They are they are very excited about both of those players. They wouldn't have acquired Jones if they weren't. And they wouldn't have pushed Tolia so much last season if they weren't excited about him. But they also have to put those guys in their best positions to succeed. So I wanted to comment on that as well, just because I saw a few people frustrated and saying like, oh, they're doing so well. They should be here doing that. But like baseball doesn't work that way. It's it's a reactive sport. You know, you just because you hit a home run off a triple A guy doesn't mean you would have done the same thing in the big league ball game against Blake Snell. There's just a difference, right? That said, you got to be rooting for all of those guys. As we've said, this is the year for them. And so it, it is good to keep regular tabs on what they're doing. And there may be more and more of these ups and downs where uh, I'm not, where the only ups are coming out of the minor league system, right? Well, Rockies got crushed this weekend by the Dodgers, but hey, the Albuquerque isotopes are doing X, Y, and Z, right? Uh, but it is a good thing that those guys are performing well. And indicative, again, that the Rockies made the right decision, not the wrong one. Now, your final up is the plus side bullpen in the series looked good. Uh, congratulations to Pierce Johnson, the Colorado native, on his first Colorado Rockies save. That was pretty cool to see. And Bud Black answering the question of who was going to get the first save opportunity in the absence of Daniel Bard. Uh, so that's really, really interesting. We'll see if that's consistent moving forward. If, if Pierce Johnson is just the set up or set up man once Bard gets back and he's the closer for now or if it'll be a little bit of closer by committee if multiple guys are going to get their opportunities as a sort of experience thing I'll be very curious to see uh, how all of that plays out because Bud Black does have a lot of guys in that bullpen with some pretty fun and interesting resumes and all of whom had great uh, numbers throughout uh, spring training and most of whom have really good resumes. I've been very delighted in what I've seen so far out of Brad Hand and Brent Suter as advertised. Uh, you know, you've now, okay, they haven't pitched at Coors yet, right? They haven't had to deal with the at home and then going away and your ball moves differently so far. They've been in Scottsdale and all around the Phoenix area and now they've gone to San Diego. Pretty similar warm environments, though it was cool all throughout spring training and it was raining when they got to San Diego. So <laughs> I guess they were this year, they were the very same cool environments, which was strange. But, you know, they haven't had to deal with that thing yet. And so for new guys, you've got to keep an eye on that. But still, it was nice to see a couple of relievers that the Rockies picked up in the offseason who have these great resumes. You know, we've done this. We've and it's not just, you know, Brian Shaw and Jake McGee and Wade Davis. And McGee and Davis did have their good years. I mean, for those of you that remember, Jason Mott and, and Chad Qualls. and the, It's been a long list of guys who've come in, had really good resumes, and then just don't pitch to that resume. And when I watched Hand and Suter in this opening set, I was like, there they, there they are. Those are the guys who I watched when they were good for other teams. <laughs> Those are the ones. That's the, that's the player that I thought the Rockies 
were acquiring, that the Rockies probably thought and hoped that they were acquiring. So nice to see that so far. And then just some absolute gnarly stuff out of Justin Lawrence, who I really couldn't be much higher on at this point in the season or, or, or really at any point in, in any season. I, 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 I hyped him up huge going into last year and it was probably a little bit early, but it, it really was one of those, look out for this guy. Whenever he locks it in, it's going to get exciting. And I think he locked it in about midway through his season last year, right? He, he did a little up and down and back and forth, which suggests the Rockies had him working on some things. He wanted to work on some things, whether it's mechanics or approach or figuring out exactly how to set his sights so that he's getting, because his stuff just moves so much, which is, of course, an extraordinary advantage if you can put it around the strike zone. But the patient major league hitter will stand there and wait and let you walk him until it comes in the zone. But when he, when he throws his pitches on the edges of the strike zone, Justin Lawrence right now is about as unhittable as it gets. His stuff is coming in ridiculous. And uh, the, the, the slider is tight and moving late and moving feet. <laughs> it's it the, the, the shape of his slider right now is ridiculous. The sinker coming in, uh, biting in on the right-handed hitter, uh, you know, from that weird angle slot that he's got. It, it just, he's really making some great hitters look uncomfortable right now. The, the striking out the side in his first inning and these guys, again, a, San Diego basically has an all-star team from the, a position player standpoint. And they're up there going, what in the hell was that? <laughs> like, yeah, it's funky, dude. So I'm excited for the era of Justin Lawrence and for the plus side guys in the bullpen. I, I think they're going to be really good this year. And like I said, the minus side guys, while they didn't have their get off to their best start of the season, they didn't, they weren't truly and epically awful either, right? Like, for, for, where are we putting the bar for Rockies bullpen, right? <laughs> it's because they they've cleared that comfortably. They really did. The only reason they didn't win this series, in fact, the only reason they didn't sweep this series is because they have no starting pitching depth. This is the thing. And it's crystallizing the more and more I look at the team. Position players, pretty good. Are they world beaters? Are they the Padres or Dodgers? No. But the position players across the board are pretty good. The bullpen is pretty good to potentially great. Their first two starting pitchers are pretty good to potentially great. Their bottom three starting rotation, guys, you all, you just can't win like that. And it, it's, it's more frustrating now than even as I come into the season looking at it because... You know, I, I thought they were further away than they probably are. Like, if you could plug in three versions of what Chad Cool was last year, this is a team that could compete for 83, 84 wins. Maybe sneak into, uh, you know, a final seed, whatever we're calling it now, a wild card, multiple postseason spot, right? But unless something dramatic changes with, the rotation, I just, you just, I don't know. You can't win. It's like being incredibly healthy and fit and athletic and in your prime and trying to run a marathon, but you've got one of your legs is like your calf is taped to your quad or something like that, right? Like you, like no matter how great all the rest of that stuff is, you just can't win a marathon on one leg. 
you can't run a marathon on one leg. And that's kind of what the Rockies are, are doing right now. And maybe I'll end up being wrong. And Ryan Feltner and Jose Urania will turn it around and have great seasons. And Austin Gomber, you know, there, there's always the possibility. But it does look like this is what we're in for. A couple of games where they get your hopes up a little bit and make it go, oh, damn. Very comfortable wins, those first two, right? It's not even that, like, they kind of came out and dominated. They were scoring early. They were scoring late. They were getting big games out of guys like Crone and Bryant. Blackman, who I didn't talk about at all, had a great series. I mean, he's off to a fantastic start. And their starting pitchers both went six innings and gave up a combined two earned runs in their wins. That's really good baseball. Followed by not. Final game, they were all right. We'll see what happens, but... There you have it. That may be the Rocky season in a nutshell, honestly, right there. Uh, with We'll see how this fifth game goes. But thank you all so much for listening into this Ups and Downs. Let me know if there's anything that I didn't talk about that you'd like to hear on a future podcast. Any other questions and comments you may have, you can always hit me up on Twitter. Slide into my DMs and ask me about the Discord channel where we're always talking Colorado Rockies baseball. I appreciate you all for continuing to be absolutely awesome out there. I promise you that I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark.